Welcome to Wormhole Waffles, a Stargate podcast. Welcome to Wormhole Waffles. I'm your host, Chelsea, and with me is my co-host, Arzu. Hello. Last week, we talked about SG-1 Season 3 finale and Season 4 opener, which was our dramatic introduction to the Replicators. And today we're going to be talking about Episodes 2 and 3 of Season 4, The Other Side, and Upgrades. The Other Side premiered on July 7th, 2000. It was written by Brad Wright and directed by Peter DeLuise. Upgrades premiered on July 14th, 2000. was written by David Rich and directed by Martin Wood. So we have lots of drama this week for sure. Arzu, would you please summarize? So in The Other Side, they are contacted by a group of human descendants who live elsewhere who are looking for help in this galactic conflict they're having with their enemy. They've tried to send people to the Stargate, but they've got the iris closed, so they're just crashing into it, presumably, and then dying, which has uh, so many questions. They go through to help, and they're ready to help them in order to get access to the weapon tech, but these people are just a little suspicious. Just a touch. And in upgrades, the Toker come a-calling. Right, Toker? Did I say that right? Yeah. Yeah. The Toker come a-calling. They've got these armbands that will enhance you, but instead make them insane. <laughs> kind and of. They're like, and they're like, you know, we're going to test these out so we can stop Apophis and fight the Gwold, but then, like, this isn't so much a let's enhance ourselves mentally and physically and in a collective way fight the gold this is kind of like these three want to fight them themselves right so yeah 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 so let's do our quote reveal last week i gave you the quote i thought the devices were supposed to enhance them physically not make them stupid and your guess was that dr frazier is saying this about the people of the week who come back to the sgc and quote they're meathead jocks and they're stupid <laughs> <laughs> so you're wrong <laughs> that's okay <laughs> it's Hammond who delivers the line and it's about SG-1 and not about the people of the week so he does and... deliver it to Frasier true I don't true. deserve a point for that I just like that I knew <laughs> that she was involved in some capacity so we'll get into the context of that when we get to the second episode that we're covering so starting off with episode 2 the other side yeah, so this is, I think, the first time that people have accidentally died while trying to get to Earth, which I feel like is a weird thing that it's this we're in the fourth season and this is the first time it's happened. Because usually they're the ones leaving. Like, very rarely do people come to them unless it's people they know. Right, which makes me think that it's like, okay, the Tari are the only people exploring in the galaxy. Nobody basically. else cares. <laughs> well it's like everybody else is either like too advanced to care like they've already done their exploring or not advanced enough to have the technology to go exploring well when you put it like that it makes it sound like they were breaking the season like they were writing the episodes and they realized that they had not yet addressed the like like the issue of what if people are where we're at mm -hmm. You know Although I mean? technically they're not really, because these people aren't technically exploring. They're not exploring for the sake of exploring. There right. was the Earth address was written in some carving. Right. And like they're not exploring for the same reason. But then again, our people aren't really exploring for the sake of exploring either. At least SG-1 isn't. Yeah. Yeah. But we still haven't seen very many people just exploring in general. I mean, I guess you could argue that the race of beings in the Ergo episode kind of explore in terms of if anybody comes to their planet, they implant them with technology that can do the exploring for them. Yeah, but I don't think that's quite the same. Yeah. So, yeah. It's like the Tari are in that like niche level of having the technology to travel regularly and explore while not being so advanced that it's boring. <laughs> basically right can i just say before we get any further into this why does teal still have this stupid chin thing i don't i don't know how long is this gonna last it's upsetting uh, probably just the one season season <laughs> well it's usually like every season they try to like change up people's hair a little bit 
you know, like in this season, Sam's hair is longer than it's ever been. And then it's going to get shorter again later on. And then it's going to get longer again. Well, sure. You know? <laughs> like hair length is one thing, but it's stupid and ugly. <laughs> I don't know whose decision it was. I don't know if that's hair and makeup or the directors or Chris Judge. Maybe he likes Chris Judge, if that was you, I have questions and comments <laughs> and concerns. Yeah, I don't know. If I ever get a chance to interview him, I will ask whose decision Chris Judge, call me. I have a problem with this. <laughs> yeah, because I honestly don't know if that's something like... I assume that it's real. It could be a stick-on? I, I would think so. It's just, it's far too maintained. Oh, you think it's fake? I think it's... I, it looks like they just taped it to his chin. Oh, okay, fair enough. I would, yeah, I would just think it would be annoying to wear that all the time. You know? Yeah. I'll try to look into it for you and figure out when he stops doing that. Okay, thank you, because it's, it's <laughs> like I said, it's very upsetting. Yeah. Did you have a question about the people who tried to get through and died? And yeah, where did their died? bodies go? They don't. They disintegrate. Oh, that's upsetting. Yeah. Not as upsetting as the beard, but... It's kind of unclear whether or not there are some bits of the remains on the backside of the iris. Yeah, like, if they open it and look, are there... Is there goo? I don't know, because I've Did never seen... Did bounce back? <laughs> I've never seen an episode where they've had to clean off goo, but... There have been episodes where they said that there was a, like, radiation trail. Like, they were able to test it for a certain radiation. Because that's how they knew um, who was contacting them when they had that weird box that they gave to the Sumerians and to the right. Tok'ra. Who, like, would throw the box through and it hit the iris. And they were able to test the back of the iris for a certain chemical compound or radiation or whatever. So obviously some things can go through and actually stick to the back of the iris, but they've never specifically mentioned body parts. I assume. I'm assuming because it's gross and nobody wants to think about that. But I assume it happened. I assume that's what's going on. I don't know. I mean, I always thought that it was like not enough space because they kind of say like there's not enough space for anything to rematerialize. So they just hit the iris and evaporate basically well i wonder what if like they had started to rematerialize but couldn't like fully do it yeah. so like the bits that rematerialize stuck to the iris and the rest of them disappeared yeah i really don't know i i think they don't answer that because it is gross and like nobody wants to know cowards <laughs> cowards is what they are yeah and I do think it's interesting that this episode establishes the fact that it is impossible to know the address of somebody dialing in. Because I feel like that's something that hasn't really been talked about before. Because you would think... Caller ID. Right, yeah. Because you would think with a computer system, like, okay, if it's a DHG, that makes sense. Like, there would nothing yeah. be nothing to display what the address would be. But you would think with a computer system, they could read that. But apparently they can't. Maybe they, maybe that's one of those things that because the DHD can't detect it, then when they set up all the computers to read mm -hmm. the systems, it just never occurred to them to set it up. Right. You know? Yeah. That's possible. I'm trying to think that if that ever comes up in the other Stargate shows. I'm not sure. I'll have to do some research on that. But anyway, getting back to the plot of the episode. So it turns out that there are some people, Eurondans. So these Eurondans are in the middle of a civil war and they're looking for help because their resources are almost extinguished and so they need some help fighting this war. And initially General Hammond is like, we are not going to get involved in a civil war. Right, and, yeah. 
But then it's like when they find out that they have advanced technology, it's like, oh, we'll just, you know, forget about the moral argument because we might get some cool stuff out of it. So, yeah, I found myself mostly like disappointed in Jack in this episode. I felt like he was uncharacteristically militaristic. Uncharacteristically stupid. I actually put that in my notes. Jack is not usually this stupid. Yeah, he's not usually so one-track minded. I mean, he is a little bit, but I feel like, I almost feel like this is more of a season one episode and that Jack is being one-minded about military tech and Daniel is being one-minded about the moral question and Sam is kind of forced to go along with Jack. So I feel like that was kind of more the dynamics of season one and we normally have gotten past that. By this point you're right and i'm going to add to that and say like basically the whole conflict here for jack and for all of them really is that these people say that they will give them access to all of their weapons tech in exchange for this heavy water mm-hmm. heavy water yes yeah okay i almost called it hard water but that's something else so um yeah. in exchange for this heavy water they're like whatever you want we'll give to you and obviously daniel's like this is a little suspicious and jack's like mm-hmm. no it's fine like, yeah. don't ask so many questions. So initially, I'm like, he's up to something. And then I realize he's not up to something. He like, I'm supposed to take what he's saying at face value. But it's super weird mm-hmm. for Jack to be this gung-ho and this, like, determined mm-hmm. and blindsided. And just like, no, we're getting this at any cost. When that kind of zeal is new, first yeah. of all. And isn't, like, precipitated by anything. Yeah. I mean, he's got, like, this loose dislike of, of the gold in the same sense everybody else does. Yeah. But, like, they didn't, you know, take his wife. Right. Or kill his family. Like, there's no specific thing motivating him now that wasn't motivating him last week. Right. So this is just a very hard turn for him. I'm like, this, like, And then all of a sudden he's like, you know what, Daniel, you're right. This is suspicious. I'm sorry. And I'm like, What? <laughs> like, that I was a very abrupt about face I, I understood the about face in, in that terms and that he understood from that one statement from Alar that they're super racist and so he's like okay now <laughs> now I have questions tanks about weren't enough <laughs> and yeah so yeah, him being so like literally militant about it in the beginning, I, I did feel was very, like, what's the word, like, reductive of his character. Yeah. Because he's not normally so one-track-minded like that. And for Sam to support him so much, normally she's more on the fence about things. Which is what I don't understand. I don't, it's like we, it's like we missed a key scene where like the military is suddenly more invested in these weapons than they were previously right yeah i agree yeah meanwhile teal is just there i mean hammond did mention something about how some chiefs or whatever are particularly interested in getting weapons technology but i just feel like that's not new that's not first of all it's not new because they've been trying with the tolvin mm-hmm They've been trying to get their weapons tech for a while yeah. now. So I'm like, okay, so this is just a loose goal now is to get yeah. weapons tech to defeat the gold. Fine. But it was maybe just a bizarre getting... thing to focus on so hard all of a sudden. Maybe they were trying to imply that there's more political pressure now than there used to be. But maybe if that's what they were going for, they should have had a little bit more exposition to explain that. Because Hammond having one comment about how the powers that be would like weapons tech wasn't really enough to drive the point home that they're getting pressured to do it. Yeah, that's like a that's like a comment Hammond makes to set up a season long yeah. C plot. That's not like what motivates right. an entire episode. Yeah. It's not like Jack, I have specifically been pressured to, to deliver X amount of pieces of technology within six months. You know, it's not like yeah. mistakes. It was just weird. It was weird. Yeah. 
I agree. I did think it was funny when he, they first meet the racist people. And they're like, you know, we are descendant of, we are kin, we're descendant of Earth, yeah. something like that. And then they, they look at Teal'c and they're like, you're not, <laughs> yeah, you know. And he's like, my aunt, what did he say? My my ancestors are from... Are from the Tari, just as you're from the Tari. Yeah. And then Daniel's like, he means from Earth. And I'm like, I feel like Teal'c knew that. He could have just said from Earth. And yeah. he chose not to. <laughs> and I think that I like, I respect that. That was very funny. Yeah. It's kind of like from the beginning, there's like little clues about the incoming racism that there's going to be. <laughs> I even thought I was being funny in my notes when they were like looking through the pictures of all the people in the tanks. I was like, why are they all white? <laughs> but you my thing I... was, oh, 1980s or 1980s. Oh, early 2000s sci-fi. Like that's yeah. what was going through my head. You know what? I was confused about one of Jack's lines. So they go and they see that the majority of their Eurondans are in these cryogenic chambers. And Jack is like scrolling through the faces. And his line is, they're all the same. But I'm honestly not sure if he means they're all white or if he means they're literally the same as in their clones. Because they were, he was scrolling through the same five pictures. Oh. I mean, I guess with context, it's probably he just meant that they were all white. I, that's but, what I think. But I just I think if it was a cloning odd. thing, that would have they would have explored that in a different way. Well, because it just made me wonder, because the Eurondans are so into breeding purity, if all those people in the tanks were literally clones because they were purebred. You know what I mean? Yes. Like in terms of, you know, getting this like Aryan purity instead of like waiting for people to reproduce naturally, they are reproducing more white people. So it's both. By synthetic means. I don't know. I'm just hypothesizing. No, that's what I'm saying. Your your hypothesis is that it's both. Yeah. I mean, given given the vibes of these people i would not yeah. put that past them yeah yeah i saw somebody online describe them as space nazis i'm like yes that's straight up that's straight exactly up. what they are <laughs> surprised they didn't call teal q people right he was close real was close very close but yeah and in general i found it odd that sg1 found was just taking a really long time to ask what the civil war was about and even daniel even though he was like the major proponent of figuring out what the war was about it still took him like at least 10 minutes into the episode and i was like i feel like this is taking a while it was bizarre like how unquestioning they were yeah 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 and then even, i like oh. even hammond because usually they're pretty careful was it handed yeah. i don't remember now but like usually they're pretty careful and cagey about sharing information yeah it's classified rightly so but then when when they get in touch with the nazi leader guy Pilar. and they're explaining to him that we have a thing called the iris and it's closed to stargate and like you can't come through because you're gonna hit this wall and i'm like why are you telling them this well i think that was because the people had been killed so yeah but like you don't know who is sending people through? You don't want to give them that additional information. Like, it just felt bizarre. Like, this didn't feel like something they would have shared at but any other point. that's also not generally a secret because the Gua'uld all know that Earth has this, has an iris. I know, but if, if these aren't Gua'uld, if this is a different threat, like, I just feel like they're usually more careful with what information they give out. And this time they were like, nah, it's fine. We have this thing called the iris. Like, I think... I don't know. It makes sense to me because it was just like an explanation. Like, what How? What other explanation would they give for their three people being killed? You know, that they've gunned them down? Yeah, I feel like they would want to find out more about these people before sharing information. That, yeah, that, would, but, that was my yeah. thinking. Well, but if they weren't forthcoming about what happened to those people, then they may not have been welcomed onto that planet. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I mean, it's all kind of a moot point since all the space nazis are dead now so and rightly so yeah i was surprised with their level of technology and that 
you know, clearly they have really advanced weapons technology and they have this like massive fusion reactor to power their whole base. But in their war room, their like vision board essentially for <laughs> planning out their battle tactics is so low tech. It's like a screen where it has like a static picture on it. And they have plastic tokens that they're physically placing on top of it to show where different things are. Well, yeah. I'm like, but if their technology is so advanced, they should have a screen that is, you know, visually changing to show all these different elements without having to, like, physically put stuff on top of it. But you know I mean? this is realistic to the year 2000, which is a problem sci-fi had, like a widespread sci-fi problem. Yeah. Was even the most advanced technologies are only as sophisticated as we at the time could imagine it. Yeah. So like the pod that Jack sits in to like mm-hmm. shoot down the plane. I am pretty sure I played that game at Dave and Buster's in 2002. Like, <laughs> Like, honestly, like, if I go there now, it's probably still there. It's a helmet that just comes over your body, essentially. And, like, I can't control it with my eyes. I have to use my hands. But, like, it's the same screen and the same, like, targeting circle and stuff. Because that's as far as they could conceive it in the year 2000. Yeah, I mean, I guess realistically, there was not the technology in that year to have a dynamic board to show the battle tactics. As soon as, like six seven years later we would have seen something like that but yeah yeah i just thought it was kind of funny like (laughs) that it didn't like quite mesh with because sg1 kept talking about how technologically advanced they are i'm like well (laughs) they don't really look like it yeah i did think it was interesting that uh so they have like this meal to welcome sg1 and Alar thinks that Teal'c is insulting him by not drinking. And I'm like, oh boy. <laughs> it's like looking for excuses to hate Teal'c. And then also SG-1 shares like army rations with them and they think they're tasty. I'm like, wow, you guys have been living in bunkers way too long. I mean, I guess they can make their own alcohol. That's not bad. But otherwise, like their food is terrible. <laughs> <laughs> They've lost perspective. Yeah, I don't remember the exact line that I felt like Jack was being condescending towards Teal'c because somebody used a metaphor and Jack was like, don't say that Teal'c doesn't understand. And I'm like, "Mm, Teal'c's not dumb. Like, this is year four that you're together. I feel like Teal'c can understand most of your metaphors by now. So, So like... Don't talk down to Teal'c. That brings up a good question. This is progressing in real time. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, what the hell, man? Yeah, I thought that was weird. Teal'c may not understand that that beard looks terrible, but he does understand your metaphors. Yeah. Oh, I wrote down that it was at 24 minutes in that Daniel finally asked why they're fighting. I was like, man, even Daniel, like, took a while, I guess. And then at 30 minutes in, finally asked why the war started. I did think that Alar was obviously very intelligent in the way that he was able to kind of cleverly deflect Daniel's questions and like answer them in a way that he wasn't really answering them. I'm like, this guy's definitely a politician. Like, <laughs> <laughs> he knows how to deflect. But yeah, Jack finally comes around. And realizes there's something wrong when Alar is almost overtly racist. Not quite. He's like really towing the line. (laughs) (laughs) And Jack's like, wait a minute. All righty then. Let's ask some questions. And I'm like, you know what? You were in the room of eugenics pods and you were like, this is fine. But this is where you draw the line. Yeah, so there's basically, like, two simultaneous investigations, or maybe even three, because Daniel gets to talk to the second-in-command lady by herself and finds out that they call the enemy the Breeders because they come 
in all shapes and sizes and colors. colors. <laughs> and Daniel's like, oh, no. <laughs> it's at this point I wrote eugenics in all caps in my notes. Yeah. <laughs> and it, like, it was so interesting because she didn't even acknowledge that the enemy might have a name for themselves. She's just like, well, we call them breeders. So we never learned the name of what these people call themselves. Because it doesn't matter. Yeah. They're breeders. They they breed indiscriminately. Yeah. I, I misunderstood her for a second. So I thought she was saying that they as a people breed indiscriminately. No. And then I'm like, oh, so the other side is like eugenics. I was wrong about the vibes, but then Daniel looked uncomfortable. I'm like, no, I have that backwards. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And Sam is kind of figuring something out too because she was given some like computer access and she figures out that there are pipes going from the very bottom level to the top level. So she's the one to figure out that the air above ground is poisonous because these people poisoned it on purpose in order to, and then, yeah, basically Alar just confesses after that. And he's like, yeah, we wanted to exterminate them. Straight so up. So we did, yeah. <laughs> we did our best. Yeah, it's just, it goes, it becomes messy very, very quickly. What's it's, a little science fiction without a good old eugenics episode? You know. Yes, you do. As long as we're fighting the space Nazis and not joining them. Yeah. Hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah, I was uh thinking that in the war room, so talking about like uh the actors, so I think you recognized Alar from Star Trek. He was in Who was Deep he Space in Star Nine. Trek? He was in Deep Space Nine, Constable Odo. Odo! Okay, that's why he looks so familiar. Odo <laughs> For, for those who haven't seen it, Odo has, like, prosthetics on his face, so it kind of looked like him, but not 100%. Oh. Also, he was the voice for Mia's father, Philippe Rinaldi, in Princess Diaries 1. He's also the voice for the, the chef in The Little Mermaid. He does a lot of voice work, actually. Mm-hmm. Like, looking at his thing, he has quite a lot of, like, cartoons and games. But yeah, I think Deep Space Nine is probably his, like, biggest ticket item. And then I was remarking about this other actor, Mike Dopood. So in the when they're in the war room and there's, like, random Hurandan soldiers and one of them grabs Sam to arrest her, mm-hmm. that guy, he is one of the very few people, actors, who appears in all three main Stargate shows, SG-1, Atlantis, and Universe. There are only nine actors who appear in all three. But does anybody appear in all four? (laughs) Well, in terms of Stargate Infinity, there's only one guy who was in one episode of Stargate SG-1 who did one voice in Stargate Infinity, and there's no other overlap. (laughs) Oh. And then with Stargate Origins, there's a guy who was in Stargate Atlantis who's also in Origins. And I think that's it. Nobody so. completed the Holy Trinity. Well, no, they completed the Holy Trinity. Or the Trinity. Holy like, Quintinity. Quint- uh, Quint- 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 yeah. <laughs> Whatever that <laughs> word is. All five. <laughs> but yeah, so I was looking up. I, I found So I found nine actors who are in all three of these shows Six of them are recurring characters, like major characters. And then there's Peter DeLuise, who just inserts himself into the background. <laughs> I see you. Collection check and go. And then this guy, Mike uh, Dopood, he is in six episodes of SG-1 as a different character each time. And then he is in a couple episodes of Stargate Atlantis as Kirik, for those of you who know what that means. And is a semi-regular character on Universe as Varro. So I was like, oh my god, I didn't realize that he was on so much of Stargate. And then the only other person to be on all three shows is even more random. This woman, Christina, I'm not even going to try to say her last name. 
she is in exactly one episode of each show as a different character each time. <laughs> so it's super random. Oh dear. So yeah, this uh, random Urandan soldier we will be seeing more of. And when they're on the war room and then they start to have some earthquakes, or I guess they'd be called ground quakes since we're not on Earth. I guess. <laughs> it's things like that that I don't realize how specific the wording is until like you have to really think about it. Yeah, I feel like that only comes up in sci-fi when it's like, oh, right, you probably shouldn't call them earthquakes. But in any case, Alar is holding this kind of device made out of crystals that's supposed to like hold all of their knowledge or whatever, and he drops it when there's an earthquake. And I'm like, that's just funny. It's just, it's like the MacGuffin, and then he just drops it, and it breaks. <laughs> Oh, well. <laughs> oh, well. But yeah, and then, so when this episode comes to an end, it's like, okay, the Eurondans are very obviously going to be completely destroyed because they don't have enough power to maintain their force field. So SG-1 is leaving, and everything is literally falling to pieces, and the Alar guy tries to follow them through the Stargate, but Jack gives the command to close the iris so that he's killed. And Sam seems genuinely conflicted about Jack's choice to do that. And I'm surprised that she's conflicted because Why? I mean, he was a space Nazi, you know, maybe I think this is not me apologizing for this or condoning it, or it's just a general thought. That I feel like for Sam, it's one thing to like know somebody's objectively wrong, and it's another to actively recognize that you are the one killing them. Yeah. As wrong as they are. Like, and I know she's in the military, and I know, like, granted, in like a more scientific branch, but mm -hmm. like I know she knows taking a life is like inherent with the territory. But like a vague impersonal taking of a life versus like this specific person. Right. They've interacted with and shared a meal with. Yes, they're a Nazi. And yes, they like objectively deserve to die. But it's something else to know that you're the one doing it. Yeah. I guess I can see as that. Right as you, think you are. It's like a psychological thing. Right. Well, because I guess like of the people they've killed previously, it's mostly like Dufa and Guauld and stuff like yeah. that. Clearly villains. But this guy was a human you know, so it makes it more of, like, a morally sticky territory, I guess. But yeah, I see what you mean about it It being personal. Like, not like she intimately knows this guy, but she knows him better than most of the people they come across on their missions. And, you know, it's not like a random Jafal that they're shooting. Yeah. But also he's a Nazi, so that makes it okay. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I see in your notes that you were disappointed that they didn't send the MALP through at 60 miles an hour. I thought that was how they did it in the SGC. <laughs> not yet. Not until 2027. So we're getting there. Well, I thought that's like they set the precedent. <laughs> no. I mean, I think the precedent is that, I mean, it kind of makes sense that they eventually get RVs to take through the Stargate because sometimes they have to do a lot of walking and, you know, that can get old after a while. Yeah. Or just in general, having a bigger gate room that can accommodate more stuff being sent and received. It can accommodate ripping through at 60 miles an hour. <laughs> yeah. Can't do that right now. There's a wall right there. I think that's all I have for this episode. Same. Okay. So episode three, Upgrades. So right off the top, we know the Toker are coming, and but we don't know who or why. And I agree with Jack that that's rude. If they're gonna, you know, call just to say that they are coming later, they can at least give some more information. This like goes back to Martouf not giving any information for their mission to literal hell. And it's like the Toker just really don't like giving out any information whatsoever. No, they don't. They don't believe in it. They don't do that. Yeah. And then I'm immediately annoyed because a beautiful woman steps through the Stargate and Jack and Daniel are 
reduced to teenagers. I hope not one single brain cell found between the two of them. Honestly, I'm kind of faulting the writers for this one because I think both of those guys are better than that. You know what would be fun? You know what makes it funnier? Hmm. Honestly, because she's like she's beautiful. Hmm. Beautiful woman. Comes through the Stargate, but like she's a petite blonde with chunky highlights and blue eyes, which is exactly what they work with all day. <laughs> and Amanda Tapping is also a beautiful woman. Yeah. So like this is not new. Well, it's this like they see her. New. They see her as their sister. And also I, she's wearing like military wearing garb. Yeah, whereas yeah, Anise is wearing a beautiful nice dress that Yeah. I expect this of Daniel. Yeah, I do <laughs> expect a little bit more of Daniel than of Jack, but it's still both of them were like basically trying to outmaneuver each other and they're flirting with her. And I'm like, I understand that all grown men can be very immature, but I do feel like these characters are more mature than this. And I like that Teal'c remembered he's married. Yeah. And he was fine. He yeah. was fine. Daniel, even when he was married, couldn't seem to remember the fact. So yeah. I expect this of him. Yeah. But Jack. Yeah, come on, Jack. Come on. The love of your life is standing right there. What yeah. are you doing? Yeah. It was. So anyway, yeah. she gives them all a multivitamin. Yeah, well, right off the top, okay, so we know that this Tokra is named Denise, and she's very demanding and extremely rude. Don't like her, to be honest. <laughs> and her host, Freya, puts on this show of being, like, the sweet, innocent one. But I'm like, girl, you're in her head, too. Like, mm, I don't believe this act. <laughs> so, Anise has these magical armbands that are supposed to basically enhance all of the abilities that a normal person has. And she needs test subjects because they don't work on Tokra. So, but yeah, she's just so rude about it. She's like, here, I have this thing that I need y'all to do. And Hammond is like, okay, well, we'll think about it. Like, let's have our scientists, you know, take a look at it, study it a little bit. And she's just like, you will either participate in my study or I'm leaving. And I'm like, girl, calm down. <laughs> yeah, like, <laughs> and I think Jack asks, like, what's the rush? And she doesn't actually give a reason for there being a rush. Like, we find out later that it's because they need the specific mission carried out and they're going to manipulate as she wanted to doing it. But <laughs> right off the top of the episode, there is no reason for her to rush into this. So I'm like, I really need you to calm down, lady. And I felt like this whole episode that, like, Dr. Frazier just was, like, mostly ignored and, like, pushed aside. I felt bad for her because it was, like, people just weren't listening to her. Like, you deserve better. But anyway, they put on these armbands and so they can now run really fast they're super strong they can also read really fast so of course I, daniel uses the opportunity to read a lot of books i just like i i don't know what was happening here i just thought it was funny like when jack is reading his book and he's like and he just goes through the book really quickly and daniel's like you just read the whole thing and he's like yeah and then daniel takes the book and tries to read equally quickly yeah. and can't yeah i thought that was very funny yeah, that was very funny. <laughs> He's like, but but I'm the smart one. Right? But he didn't say that. Thing. That's what he was thinking. Oh, he was definitely thinking that. For I'm sure. supposed to be the smart one. But then when he could finally read that fast too, he was so excited. He like literally clenching his fists in happiness. <laughs> Have you noticed every time Daniel is under the influence of something, mm-hmm. his glasses go missing? Right? That's like how you know it's not normal, Daniel, because he's not wearing glasses. Well, I guess the argument in this is that the armband improved his vision. So sure, I just, yeah. I just think it's funny that like this is the consistent note is that he just stops wearing glasses. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then Sam uses the opportunity to type really fast to 
write a book on wormhole physics. I'm like, okay, that's very on brand. <laughs> so Where I mean, I at least, that? at least out of this whole deal, she wrote over a thousand pages on wormhole physics. So I mean, that's definitely something. I do not want to read that book though. No, I wouldn't. But I'm like, can I get an armband like that to meet my deadlines? <laughs> How many romance books could you read? Whew. No, right to write them. Well, that's true. That's that, true. I could, I could do it simultaneously. <gasps> Ooh. <laughs> Listen, my TBR and my to review list are falling behind. So if I could get one of those, right. uh, as of recording, by the time you hear this, maybe I've caught up. Not likely. Not so. Likely. Although I feel like part of the point of reading for fun is to read slowly so you can enjoy it in terms of like something that I'm reading for fun, like romance. I don't think I would want to speed read through it like that. Cause then you're not really like living in it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So like I would go maybe read a whole bunch of language books to learn a whole bunch of languages really quick, you know? Or at least, like, learn all the grammars for different languages really quick. But yeah, maybe not so much with fiction. So, yeah, they're testing out all their new skills. Uh, Jack and Teal'c are boxing, and Jack knocks Teal'c out for the first and only time. <laughs> Ever. And Jack apologizes, and Teal'c's like, you're not sorry. And Jack's like, no, I'm not. <laughs> and it's like, Teal'c does not mind that Jack knocked him out. He just wants him to be honest that he enjoyed it. He was like, I'm fine. You can punch me. It's fine. But, like, be honest. <laughs> I enjoyed doing it. <laughs> and Jack tries to, like, flirt again with Anise, talking about how strong he is. And Dr. Frazier almost rolls her eyes. <laughs> She's so close. She should have. Should have. <laughs> oh, and then we get um, a weird crossover moment. So apparently the inscription on the armbands says, with great power comes great responsibility. Okay, so <laughs> is that from Spider-Man or is Spider-Man quoting a line from somewhere else? I'm assuming that's from Spider-Man, right? Like, I know it's in Spider-Man. I just didn't know if... If it's originally from something if, yeah, else. Yeah, if that's originally it. Oh, let's find out. There's parallels in a lot of stuff preceding in, like, Roman text, Christian text, Islamic text. But the line, with and great power comes great responsibility. Almost like the closest one kind of looks like a line... From the Committee of Public Safety during the French Revolution. The great responsibility is the inseparable result of a great power. Oh, okay, here we go. Let's see. British Member of Parliament William Lamb in 1817 proclaimed that the possession of great power necessarily implies great responsibility. Oh, here, oh, it might be. Oh, we've got Winston Churchill, too. I submit respectfully to the House as a general principle that our responsibility in this manner is directly proportionate to our power. Where there is great power, there is great responsibility. Where there is less power, there is less responsibility. Etc. Etc. So I, that's actually the closest one. So they're quoting Spider-Man. Yeah, well, it says the specific phrasing with great power comes great responsibility evolved from Spider-Man's first appearance, the 1962 Amazing Fantasy number 15. It is not spoken by a character, but appears as a caption. Okay, so they're quoting Spider-Man. Yeah. It is remarkably close to that Winston Churchill quote, though. Winston Churchill. <laughs> Screw Winston Churchill. Yeah. We don't love Winston Churchill in this house. If you're here for Churchill, you can leave. <laughs> I mean, I'm not sure who is a stand for Churchill in this day and age. Too many but... people. <laughs> He was a great leader. You know what else he was great at? Genocide. Yep. Racism. You know who Churchill would have a lot in common with? Those eugenics people. Right, the space Nazis. <laughs> yeah. So with these armbands, Dr. Frazier has been doing blood work on SG-1 and thinks that they have a virus. And Anise is reluctantly like, oh, yeah, 
you're right. There's a virus. But it, it's what allows them to keep the armbands on. And Dr. Rachel's like, that's a problem. <sighs> and uh, I'm really glad that Hammond does side with Frazier to take them off. And it doesn't work. But I'm glad that he backed her up and was like, mm, yeah, this is weird. Yeah. I agree. <laughs> and so they're ordered to stay on base. And so, of course, they decide to break out and go to O'Malley's for four steaks each. And I Jack only to- gets three. No, he changes his to four. Oh, he changes. I thought he was telling Daniel to get four. I'm like, don't you want four? <laughs> I think he was changing his to four. So they all get four okay. and either a potato or fries. And Sam orders a diet soda. But I'm like, she's specifically saying diet soda. I'm like, are you not concerned about what kind of diet soda? <laughs> because neither Coke nor Pepsi was paying for it. Yes. <laughs> but I love this restaurant they went to because... It's O'Malley's Steakhouse, which seems like a weird combination. It's usually, like, I don't know how often you see an Irish steakhouse. Right. Maybe you do. I don't know. Are you from Ireland? Educate me. The inside is so very like 90s dive bar. Yeah. Which does not correspond with the outside, <laughs> which looks like a really nice restaurant. And the fact that they went there for steak specifically. <laughs> but it just kind of made me miss like that era because it was like smoky and there were video games and pool yeah. tables. And... <laughs> I agree I that an Irish steakhouse is strange because in Ireland there's primarily sheep. Yeah. Not cattle. I mean, I, I guess like I it, guess that there was, like an... it was O'Malley's pub in every aspect except the fact that they were having steak and that's why they went right. there. Because it yeah. looks like a pub on the inside. I mean, it's like a pub that just happens to have really good steak. A pub slash steakhouse. Like, it's a pub whose current owner knows a good butcher yeah it's it's, you know mr o'malley married the daughter of a prominent butcher family and together they opened this venture yeah (laughs) and i feel like ordinarily i would think that sam ordering a diet soda is like a weird woman coded thing but the fact that she says like that she specifically likes the taste better i i only buy that because it does one taste my, different. Well, because it does taste different. And I have a very close friend who loves Diet Coke, specifically. I'm like, okay. Because I have a real world example of somebody preferring the taste of Diet Coke. <laughs> I'm like, See, okay, I, I strongly it. dislike the taste of Diet Coke. Yeah. It doesn't sure. hit it doesn't hit right. So I'm like, so I know yeah, it it's different. different. Yeah. And I mean, I would argue that. Diet Dr. Pepper doesn't taste as different from Dr. Pepper as Diet Coke does to Coke, but they are still distinct differences between the diet and non-diet. But yeah, I just mostly felt bad for the waitress because she seems distressed <laughs> by how much food they ordered. And I'm almost wondering if it's in terms of like, she's worried that they're not going to be able to pay the bill. Yeah. Or that they're ordering like four joke. steaks each. That's expensive. Yeah, and like I'm almost wondering if she's worried that she's being pranked or something like that. Yeah, they finish their steaks and they go to play pool. And apparently Sam is really good. <laughs> she keeps winning against this random guy. And so they all end up in a bar fight. Which is just like exhausting. And it did seem weirdly like Sam was kind of sort of cuddling up to this random guy at the bar. I'm like, I don't understand this dynamic. What's happening here? Because it makes them stupid and also horny. I guess. I mean, they are going through hormonal changes wearing these R-bands. Yeah. So. Maybe she was trying to make Jack jealous. Maybe. Or like she knew she was feeling something and she had to redirect it because she knew she couldn't be that way with her boss. You know. But anyway, they go back to the SGC. They get in trouble. Jack tries to blame Sam for it, and Sam's not having it. <laughs> so I'm like, yeah. Rightly no. so. Right. And right as they have some line specifically about them not having great like control over themselves, 
Anise very conveniently walks up the stairs like, hey, I have an omission that I need y'all to do. It's against Apophis. And I'm like, mm-hmm. And even Hammond is like, uh-uh, uh-uh. <laughs> he calls her out immediately. He's like, I've been around the block, sweetie. I know what you're doing. Like, <laughs> get out of here. She should have, like, I feel like if she had been forthcoming with them, mm-hmm. it would have been much less of an issue. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, Hammond would have trusted her more if she'd been honest from the beginning. But this is just, like, the M.O. of the Togra. Like, Martouf does this all the time. Well, we all know I don't like Martouf. Yeah. But it's just, like... It's, like, the only Togra I like is Sam's dad. All the other ones are so annoying. They're just so secretive to everybody's detriment. When Apophis is gone... They need to stop coming around. Yeah. They're annoying. Yeah. Agree. And then what I know I'm jumping ahead to the end, but what was that whole thing with the niece being like, hey, like the oh my God. like we should work together again sometime. I'm like, he's got a different pretty blonde. You can go away now. <laughs> Just be we're gone. gonna put a we're gonna put a pin in that. No, no, that's not what I want to hear. No. <laughs> See, this you spoil for me, but you won't tell me when <laughs> Sam and Jack get together. <laughs> Hurtful. I'm spoiling anything. I'll tell you this. We see the character Anise in precisely three episodes, and they are all in a row. Oh, good. So next week is all Anise. Yes. <laughs> all the time. Yes. But then we'll be done. Fine. <laughs> It'll be short-lived. And she's less irritating in the other two episodes. I really dislike her in this one. And she's less irritating in the other two. Fine. As long as she's gone by the end of next week. <laughs> Just get out of my way. Right? Yeah, so and then we finally get a scene with Tilk talking to Hammond. And I'm like, I feel like Tilk has been absent this entire episode. So... Because like, finally, he's getting something. He's got nothing to add. Yeah. He's just been left out. So, of course, because SG-1 heard about this mission that Anise wants them to go on, they, like, hack the computers or whatever. Because I guess, like, Anise downloaded the information into their computers? I don't know. I'm not really sure where they got the information from exactly. But they decide to go on the mission on their own, which was obviously what Anise wanted from the beginning. And so they can use their armbands to run so fast that they can run through energy shields. And I'm like, where's a physicist when I need one? I need to know if that's (laughs) technically possible. I don't think that's technically possible. I don't think any of this is technically possible. Like Dr. Fraser bringing up the toll that this is taking on their bodies. Like... It's not possible. Yeah. yeah. It's possible in sci-fi? Sure. <laughs> Usually I'm the one being like, it's fine. And you're like, but how? Yeah, I don't know. It's something about how, like, they're moving so fast that their molecules can move in between the molecules of the energy shield. Oh, boy. I don't know. That's the best I can come up with. Sure, why not? <laughs> What I was like wondering about, though, was that when they leave on this mission, there's nobody anywhere in the gate room. And I'm like, there are supposed to be guards at all times in case of an, an incoming wormhole. Where are all the guards? Why is this suddenly understaffed at this exact moment? Like, did Anise do something? Does she, like, create a distraction? Are we going to find out next week? No. This is not answered. So I feel like this episode has like its core plot, like Anise and her little bracelets, mm-hmm. uh-huh. but has so many more questions yeah. than answers. It does open up a lot of questions. Yeah, so they're on this mission and they are able to plant the C4 that they need to plant in order to blow up the base. They are not able to get the steal the Naquita 
that they were hoping to get because their armbands wear out, so they're no longer strong enough to carry the Naquita because apparently Naquita is super heavy. Sure. I mean, I guess that makes sense because the Stargate is made out of Naquita and there's no way that you could lift it with just a couple people. So, you know. Not a bad attitude. <laughs> also, she sends them on this mission. Mm-hmm. This crazy mission. And they come back barely alive. And she's like, where are the bracelets? Yep. Girl. Yeah. She's just... Priorities. She's annoying. She I, I don't really like annoying. calling female characters annoying. But this one is. Because men do that. And all it means yeah. is like she breathes and has opinions. Right. But like, she's genuinely annoying. She's Well, she's openly manipulative. Just like Martouf. So yeah, this isn't a woman thing. This is a Togra thing. Yeah, so they lose their armbands and Sam is unable to escape because she's blocked by a force shield that she can't get through. And so then there's like a really almost romantic moment because Sam tells Jack to leave her and he refuses to leave her. So, you know, there's a little something. Get my crumbs. Yeah. But Anise is there. I can't have my full cake, just crumbs. Yeah, when do you well, what? When do they get together again? Sam and Jack. <laughs> One day I'll catch you off guard. <laughs> no, no, you won't. I'm gonna Google it. No, don't ruin it. Do I have to wait a lot longer? No. This season? I didn't say that. We didn't say no. you will continue to get crumbs i will i will definitely confirm that much kissing crumbs (laughs) i'm not telling you that's a yes i don't want to spoil anything something to look forward to yeah there are definitely moments to look forward to okay fine it's not like a desert Yeah, so the C4 goes off and the four shields go down, so they're able to get out of this compound before it blows up and run as fast as their normal human legs can carry them since they don't have the R-bands anymore. And, like, Teal laps them, which I'm like, okay, back to normal. Teal can run faster than that. And, like, Daniel's like, I'm tired. (laughs) And so this big fortress thingy blows up right as they're going through the Stargate, you know, as per usual. And yeah, so Anise is like upset that they didn't bring the arms, armbands back. I did think there was like a cute piece of camera work when they come through the Stargate and they all like collapse on the ground and the camera is like sideways centering Jack's face and like yeah. rolls up as he gets up. I thought that was that was fun. I liked that. I thought yeah. that was funky. Yeah. And they're all apologizing to Hammond for disobeying orders. And Sam looks at Teal'c like she expects him to apologize. And he's like, I have no need to apologize. <laughs> With a little smirk, which was so cute. He was just like, I was following orders. Like (laughs) Yeah, and then and then Freya was trying to be flirty with Jack, and Jack is like not having it. But I feel like he's like, what is his line? He says something like in your dreams or something like that, which is to us like clearly like sarcasm, but I feel like she took it seriously. She did not seem deterred. But I did like her outfit. Her dress was cute. It was. It was very cute. That was like the one positive thing about her this episode. The only positive. (laughs) One like really random thought I had during this was how SG-1 was like putting jackets like on and off over their armbands. Because those armbands looked chunky. Unrealistic. Yeah, I was like, I feel like your normal sleeves wouldn't fit over that. And then the whole trope of 
Siler being the one to get injured. <laughs> He's always the one. I feel like up... he's just going to quit and get a different job. <laughs> well, I don't remember. Mem- Robbins, it's safer. <laughs> well, I don't know if you remember, I told you at the beginning that this guy was the stunt coordinator on MacGyver. So. Maybe? Beginning of like the series, right? Yeah, yeah. So it's been a while. Yeah, so he yeah, worked with okay. Richard Gene Anderson before. And I think he did some of the stunt coordinating for this show, too. So, like, it makes sense that his character is the one who's always getting pushed off of things and whatnot. Another random thing that I noticed was when they are leaving the planet with Apophis's base, they're on the right side of the screen. There are some gliders going through the air. And on the left side of the screen, there are some birds and you can tell they're birds because the wings are flapping but it's like it's not in the right perspective because they look equal in size to the gliders and I was like did somebody mess up or are those birds the same size as gliders I can't say I noticed but my guess is that somebody messed up yeah and also Apophis's guards have new armor I don't know if you noticed. It was basically like a combination of his old style with Sokar's color scheme. Yeah, I can't say I noticed that either. I wasn't really paying attention to that. Shame. For shame. I'm sorry. I wasn't looking at Apophis's guards armor. That's my job, but I should probably pay more attention. But I can't say I noticed. Because it was like back to the old style with the like serpent head. But it was all like had that Sokar kind of like rust color to it right yeah so it's like oh, okay his his jaffa have the like new hybrid armor i also noticed that all the members of su1 have a different choice for headwear which i feel like is like <laughs> a snapshot of their characters because <laughs> jack wears a beanie and sam wears like a baseball hat style and daniel has his floppy hat my thing with Jack's hat specifically, I feel it to me is not just a beanie, but it's like a beanie he got for free in a case of beer. It's not like a beanie <laughs> he went out and bought. You know what I mean? Well, I mean, it's a military issue. So yeah, like he did not choose this beanie. It was like given to him. But he's specifically choosing a beanie over the other options because there is a baseball hat option. I just feel like this was like the one they gave him first and he just didn't bother to get another yeah. one he did like well he there's a baseball cap option he just never picked it up like he wears the green one though he wears the green baseball cap he just doesn't wear a black one okay fine Take whenever he has to wear away. a black hat it's the beanie but he wears the green baseball cap to regular missions that's true but when he wants to look sexy i mean sleuthy i mean when he's wearing black. Um. <laughs> and Daniel always has a floppy hat. Normally he has a green floppy hat. And this one I think was a black floppy hat. But it's still floppy. <laughs> Daniel's like a floppy or nothing. <laughs> yeah. Well that one has like the best sun protection. So. You know. I do like your comment that the armbands are one hell of a multivitamin. Well, yeah, because there's, like, the multivitamin, but then there's this. That's one hell of a multivitamin. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) Did you find anything problematic in these two episodes? I mean, the Nazis, but they weren't treated as correct, so. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was, like, part of the Problematic within the context of the universe, but, like, not problematic to be included. Yeah, yeah. I guess maybe I might call... Jack and Daniel ogling over a niece. Just like icky. Yeah, it was stupid. I don't know that it was problematic. Yeah, but it, it was just kind of gross. Yeah. But otherwise, I think these episodes hold up okay. I would say so, yeah. Any other final thoughts? A niece needs to go. Two more it. episodes. Two more episodes, and then and then we'll be done with her. Counting down. I'm counting down. 
Yeah, because I knew that she was in more than one episode. I did not realize until preparing for this that they were back to back to back. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> they booked her for a couple weeks and they're like, we're shooting yep. all your episodes now. And that was the end of that. Yep. yep. Okay, next week we're going to be talking about SG-1 Season 4, Episodes 4 and 5, Crossroads and Divide and Conquer. And there's some love drama. I'm excited. <laughs> Are you ready for your next quote? Yes. We found gold blood in Shaanak's bloodstream and trace amounts on her hands. So, now you're just saying words. <laughs> I mean, I'm always saying words. I'm going to go with Dr. Fraser again. Okay. Because I don't know anybody else who'd be looking like in the bloodstream. Mm-hmm. So I'm guessing they sent someone back to SGC. Dr. Fraser investigated. They followed behind. Mm-hmm. And she is giving the team an update on this person. On on Shanak. 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 Yes. Okay. We'll, we'll find out next week. That's it for today. If you enjoyed listening to our podcast, we would love for you to rate us five stars wherever you can. If you want to talk to us about Stargate, you can find us on our podcast Twitter and Tumblr page at Wormhole Waffles. You can find me on Twitter and Tumblr at Chelsea Fairless. Arzu, how about you? You can find me on Twitter at Arzu Amin. I'm at Arzu D2 everywhere else, which as a recording, we're recording this in early July. That includes Tumblr, Instagram, Blue Sky, Threads. I hate it here. <laughs> I hate it necessary but here we are as a network we are on twitter at geeky underscore waffle we are the geeky waffle on facebook instagram tiktok and tumblr we're the geeky waffle on youtube we're at the geeky waffle.com and we're on patreon patreon.com slash the geeky waffle thanks for joining us today and we'll see you on the other side of the event horizon